Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. This is a podcast about podcasts. It is a podcast about the thoughts of two pastors and sometimes three pastors sitting around a table giving our thoughts about all of the life's greatest questions and trying to find Jesus through it all. It's a podcast about real life and living faith. So There you go. We're not just talking about uh, high theological concepts. We're actually going to be talking about things that actually matter. But I like high theological concepts as well. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's why you're a pastor, isn't it? It is. Well, this is a new year of podcasting. We are now in the year of 2022, and so we thank you for joining us as we, we gather for a new year. We've been promising this study, uh, which you are going to be joining in. Uh, we've been saying we are going to do it, and then we found other things that we, we sort of dived into. But now it is here. At the beginning of 2022, we are going to, to open Open up the new year with a study of Leviticus. I know everybody has been gripping their seats. They have been waiting and, and, and just saying, when are they going to talk about this book? Because it is the favorite book uh, of all of the scriptures, the book of Leviticus. Um, and so we are going to give you exactly what you have wanted, a study of this magnificent book of Leviticus. But before we can do any of that, um, we are sure that something is going to be said that will offend you. And so I'm going to hand over uh, for the first of the new year, the disclaimer of casting that podcast to my cohort here in crime, Pastor Dave Rudot. Good morning. Um, good afternoon. Whatever time of the day it is, it's good to uh, see. It's good to hear. It's, I don't know. It's good for me to speak and to have you be listening. And uh, I, uh, as we're beginning of the new year, I thought Christmas was over. But then I had an epiphany. But um bum. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, you need the <laughs> I shot. Need, I need either that or the clap button. <laughs> the clap yeah. button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the if if you had the button that had the people uh, erupting in laughter, that would just not be appropriate because that would sound a little bit too e egotistical. Because I understand. It's I a should dad put joke. that in there. It's a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> the more you growed. The better, the better I feel about it. Um, anyway, this is a podcast about uh, two pastors. We are uh, sharing you our thoughts, uh, sometimes our opinions, and sometimes our opinions aren't necessarily the opinions that are of our church bodies or the uh, synod in which we are part of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. However, we're just throwing thoughts against the wall. You're joining in a conversation with two pastors where we both looked and studied on the book of Leviticus, but we haven't prepped each other. So we're just going to be talking about stuff. Maybe we'll change each other's minds. Maybe we'll change our own mind as we're talking about it. But most importantly, we're holding ourselves to the scriptures and the confessions. And so uh, if, if there's something that confuses you or you're uh, um, offended by something, I can't. Well, I suppose holiness might be a kind of an offense because we're, we we like to think we're holy, and Leviticus is going to let us know exactly how unholy we are. But if we're offended by something, 
please feel free to reach out if there's something you have a question about, something we weren't clear on. Reach out to us at castingnetspod at gmail.com, or you can uh, go on Facebook, or you can see us in person as we are leading worship at St. John and Maribel or Emmanuel and Shirley. Either way, reach out to us. Continue the conversation that we are beginning here uh, today. All right, and with that, let's jump into our topic. very first thing we have to get out of the way is how to pronounce Leviticus. Is it Leviticus or Leviticus? I say Leviticus. Leviticus is fun to say, though, isn't it? It is. It's Le- like aluminum, <laughs> yeah, exactly. which is the appropriate Queen's English for aluminum. <laughs> uh, if you haven't uh, caught on by now, we, uh, Pastor Will, Harley, and myself, we're we're sometimes sarcastic, and so you have to I am put never your... sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you never disagree. I don't. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're supposed to. Say it. <laughs> it throws me off every once in a while. So anyway, this is the, I, uh, the book of Leviticus, or Leviticus, if you like to say it in a fun way, is a is a book that uh, for Jesus and for the Old Testament followers would have been one of their major books that they read. And unfortunately, today Leviticus is the—it's it's the exact opposite. People are like Leviticus. I've never read that. I have no familiarity with that, and I don't think that's a good thing. Well, I, I think before we want to begin and jump, and I want to jump into the to to sort of an introduction to the Book of Leviticus, um, just for the simple fact that that I think we're going to give a, a broad kind of painting of it, and then maybe next week as we we kind of hash out how we want to tackle the book. Um, I mean, you could get bogged down in in the minutia of of chapter by chapter, and we can if we want, or we can just take sort of like wide sweeping sections, um, which is fine with with me. However, we want to do that, but we need to we need to give a, a a sort of an understanding of what the book is all about. But before we do that, we probably should say that when we talk about scripture, especially you know when when um, we're in the New Testament and we're we're following with Jesus, and and he he refers to um, Moses. And the the uh, the prophets and the psalms, um, and they all refer to him. Um, and he makes many mentions of the scriptures. What he's really talking about um, in Hebrew terms is what's called the Tanakh. And the Tanakh is just uh, uh, like a oh um, a, a a condensed way of saying the um, uh, the Torah, which would be the first five books of the Bible, the um, um, the what is it the 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 prophets so you'd have uh, what is it the Levim or um, what is another word for that and then the 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 Ketuvim or the or the the writings of the wisdoms um, so they all come He's together into the highfalutin theological talk right right uh, so what you have here is is really the Tanakh encompassing all of the Old Testament so you have they have really that word the Torah uh, which is the first five books the Law which they would say. Um, and then they would have the the writings of the prophets as well as as the psalms uh, and the the words of wisdom. And the reason that that's important is because when when the Lord talks about the scriptures and 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 He says that they 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 speak of Me, He is He He's not limiting Himself as sometimes we think to the New Testament and saying it's just the New Testament and here it's talking about Jesus and here's Jesus. It's 
No, the Old Testament and throughout the entire pages, all the pages of the Old Testament, there's Christ. Christ is there. And, and so there's an importance to understanding the Old Testament. There's an importance to studying the Old Testament, which I think sometimes we have lost. We've lost this uh, desire to read the Old Testament because we, we somehow maybe think in the back of our mind that God was different in the Old Testament because they're, they're so bloody and it, it's all law and it's commands and, and sacrifices and, and, you know, all many cattle were, were, were killed in the making of this, you know, tribe of, of, of Judah uh, and, and the people of Israel. And you think about those things and, and we say, well, that's not the God that I worship, but it is. Because the God that we worship and the God that, that is here for us is the fulfillment of all of those things. Um, and, and better yet, and more so, he is the continuation of them uh, in a way that is so beautiful and, and so right. So with, with, with the study of the Old Testament, it's not just the stories, it's it, their accounts. This is God's interaction with his people, um, his grace being seen and bled into the life of, of his chosen and those who have been called to be his own. And so when we talk about Leviticus, which, which I don't think people read, it's, it's one of those that, that it's just a book that goes out of style because we're like, well, I don't have to do that anymore. Right, it's the religious side of the law. I would say a lot of times people, when they're trying to read through the book of the uh, read through the Bible in the new year, Leviticus is book number three. So if they're going from the beginning of the book to the end, they get to Leviticus and they, they just get bogged down in all of the details and like, why is this important? What what does this have any impact on me in my life today? And then they give up on reading the Bible, which is unfortunate. So that's why we're doing this podcast is so that we could uh, help you. Um, blaze through the book of uh, Leviticus and to understand its wonderful truths that are contained therein. Well, and, and I think Leviticus has, has a much po- as much popularity as the chronological uh, uh, sections of scripture where it goes through and so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. And we look at that and we're like, I don't know, I can't even pronounce their names. What does it matter? Well, it matters is because this is this is the track record of God's people and God's promise, and and so when God says all of my people are gathered, all my people are here, He you have the list of their family names so that we know who they are, um, and they're written in Scripture to 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 remind us God forgets no one, and the same thing in Leviticus we have have this, and this is going to be part of our conversation in the introduction today uh, to this book is is the reality that Leviticus's purpose is not to bog you down with religious to-dos as much as it is the response of God's action in our life. So if we were going to equate it, and we'll make more of these connections, I hope, throughout the podcast this morning uh, or whenever you're listening to it, um, that, that, that the book of Leviticus is really worship. It, and I would even I, I I would I would even take a step away from worship and say service. This is God's service, divine service. Um, so I would I would I would stand with those that say you know when you look at the book of Leviticus and you open up the pages of Leviticus you have you have God coming um, for the first time talking with with Moses outside of Mount Sinai. He is at the tent of meeting, um, the tabernacle, and the Lord is saying. This is this is my service to you. 
Just for clarification, the tent of meeting is different than the tabernacle. The tabernacle hasn't been built just yet when they built the, the right. Mountains. But what? we're we're outside of the Mount of Sinai. Yeah. We're we're now dealing with God among His people, not above His people, in 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 showing Himself in in this way that if we see Him like this, we're going to die. I I uh, your point about how this is actually a response to God's activity in our life, I think is very important and crucial. It opens up the book to us because oftentimes when people even think about worship service, they're thinking about this is what I do on Sunday. I go to worship and I sing the hymns and I re- respond in the liturgy and I pray and and this is me doing something for God, whereas divine worship, even in the Old Testament, is God doing something for us. It, it could you explain that some more? Well, I mean, the fact that, that so we have a retooling, and just to take a step back, we have a retooling in, in our service books uh, and in our, in our liturgy where, where uh, we had the common service, we had the service of word and sacrament um, in, in CW93, and now we have in the new one, the, the divine service um, is, is really taking over those things. And, we read those things and we think as soon as we hear divine service or as soon as we hear common service, um, we think worship. But there's a difference between and and and, and I'm I'm okay. I'm not bashing the reformed um, or, or the the people who are are not from a liturgical background in their worship practice or or things of that nature. But I think it's encroached upon those of us who do love liturgical worship um, in the sense of that term using worship instead of service because it is we live in a society where we are very I'm going to use the word hedonistic but it's not necessarily hedonistic it's more more um, false religious you know going towards the, the the general trend of the populace that I bring something to God then God reciprocates um, and, and that's what worship is, that the whole idea of worship is I bring something and then the deity or the thing that I'm worshiping will then reciprocate in some way. And and that is the complete opposite of what we see in the book of Leviticus. It's a, the, the complete opposite of what we see even in our, our modern worship services. Um, and, and if you're going to use a worship service, okay, let's say service um, and keep service in there. Don't just say worship um, because it is God coming to us. God then giving us the tools to respond to him and to use those tools to respond to him. So in the case of Leviticus, God came and rescued his people, right? God came and brought them out of slavery. God chose them amongst all the nations. God pre- presented them with with food, you know, that never never would run out, with clothing that would never wear out. Um, God gave them water from rocks. Um, God is doing all of these things for the people of Israel. He then says the appropriate response right? I'm going to, I'm, I'm even going to go take it a step further. I'm not going to let you say, God, what are we supposed to do? And then flounder around. God says, I'm going to give to you the appropriate response so that you can continue to receive from me. So it's not you do this and then receive from me. It is, here is, here is how you stay in the sphere in which I've placed you. So, so if we want to say it in a more common way, in, in, in a way that we would understand, it is, God works faith through the means of grace, through through the Spirit. So he brings us to faith, right? 
um, that we hear the gospel, we we interact with the gospel through uh, baptism, and it, it works faith into our hearts. But that's not where it ends, right? I can't come to God and accept him, right? I can't come to God and say, God, I want I want you to be a part of my life. I believe in Jesus. That is the work of God who brings me to him. But once I'm there, once I'm there, can I say, I want to remain here and I am going to come and worship you? Yes, I can. Um, can I say, can I say, I'm going to open up your word and I'm going to read it every day? I can. And can I also say, I'm not going to? I can. And I can move further away from him, right? I can't move closer to him. I can stay where I am in, in, in these practices of hearing his word, studying his word, receiving from him on, on an everyday basis, but I can move away from him by saying, I'm going to reject it. And this is Leviticus. Leviticus is, okay, you're here. What is it, what is it to stay here? And, and you get to do these things to stay here. And it's good. And, 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 and we're going to see throughout the pages of Leviticus, and maybe this is a good opportunity to, for, to start working into to, uh, sort of the, the theme of Leviticus, which deals with holiness, it deals with cleanliness, it deals with the difference between holy and common, um, um, and the difference between, between that and the alternative, which is unholy, unclean. Um, and, and so maybe this is a good time for us to do this, because what, is, what does the Lord do? The Lord says, yes, you are participating in this with me, to an extent, but I'm taking these ordinary things and my word is being applied to these ordinary things. And now they become extraordinary things. They become holy things. And then you get them back from me, right? And they make you holy. They keep you in this holiness. So so the, the sacrificial meals uh, that are given, that the priests eat and they remain in holiness, the, the peace offering that after it has been given is returned to the people. They eat it and they remain clean. They remain holy. Um, now, were those things holy in, in, to begin with? No, but God made them holy and then gives them back and says, here they are for you. It's like saying, it, 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 it's like saying when you come to church in the morning, and, and you see, you see in the front of church, oh, it's communion Sunday. And I don't think there's anybody in our church that would say, I'm not receiving in, in, in the Lutheran church. I don't think there's anybody that would say, well, when I receive the sacrament after pastor um, um, uses the words of, of consecration, um, that I don't receive Jesus. I receive Jesus. That's his body. It's his blood and bread and wine for me for the forgiveness of sins. But someone had to prepare that. And, and someone had to put that up there and 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 the pastor had uh, the pastor got an opportunity to apply God's word to it so are do you or would you say that that's the law that's the we had to do something for God to respond of course not no God enabled us to do this and then he works through these ordinary things and makes them extraordinary things and holy things yeah yeah I what I really like when you're you started going through the the, the sacrifices the the a light went off in my head where oftentimes we always get it mixed up. We say, well, we've got to, and perhaps it is because we always begin our worship services with confession and absolution. Whereas in Leviticus, you know, they would have uh, offerings for, for sin as well. You know, they got the sin offering or the reconciliation offering. Those are both things given to restore the relationship in Christ, uh, in God. And, and that the shedding of blood, for example, to, to restore this relationship, the 
the atonement sacrifices, putting the escape the sins on the people. I'm getting ahead of us, so we'll get, we'll get through all of this, dear listener. We'll get through all of these different. Uh, we'll walk you through those things. Right now, we're just talking about big concepts, but oftentimes we we put those first. Like this is what we have to do first. And then the other two are kind of secondary, like, well, well, maybe if we get around to it, we'll do these fellowship offerings. But the way I'm, I'm hearing you say it is God always intended Leviticus to be, let's start off with the good stuff where you remain in fellowship with God and the and the and enjoy what it, it, it is to be in his presence, to be holy because of what he has done for you. And then when you screw up, now that's secondary. Now let's uh, restore that relationship. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think a good way to to, to 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 kind of look at this is the difference between holy holiness versus common. And sometimes we get in in our head, if something is common, it's bad. And that's not what God intends, and that's not true, because God gives us many common things that are wonderful. Um, and we, as people, are predominantly common. <laughs> we just are. Now, if you would say that the common thing is is the neutral setting in which God brings us through his grace that that God brings you into his brings you into his family through the working of the spirit through the sacrifice of his son Jesus um even in even in the case of the people of Israel in the book of Leviticus it's pointing to Jesus as the ultimate fulfillment the ultimate sacrifice God brings you into this state okay and, and he places you here and he says, okay, now, now you're sort of at the neutral point, right? And, and he then provides more and he says, here is holiness. The closer you are to me, the more holy you are, right? Um, so be as close as you can, <laughs> right? Here is, here's all the ways that I am, I'm working. And, and this is where we're going to bring up what I truly feel is, is a beautiful statement. These are the means by which my holiness comes. Could he give holiness in any other way? Sure, he's God. But he has chosen means by which he is going to use the ordinary things to do extraordinary things. Forgive me, dear listener, if I'm making an assumption of what you're thinking of. Lots of times uh, listeners or people sitting in Bible class or sitting in the pew think of holiness as a binary. Either you are holy or you aren't. And what you're saying is that there really are degrees of holiness. Could you explain exactly what that means? Is if could we think of well, you're either perfect or you're not perfect. Sure, and, and I think we'd have to use that in terms more of of the way that Leviticus does. And and so he he uses terms of of there is the holy of holies, and then there is the holy place, and then there's the altar, and then there is the ordinary, which would be the the place where the common gather and and they hear the words. And then when you go from there, you then get into the unclean, okay? And so, so what we would say is, if you were going to uh, gonna sort of place this into a into a grand scheme, you have the holy of holies, which is only for the high priest. Um, it is the place where where um, you are in the most direct contact with the Lord, and and the reason it is only for the high priest is because it's hard enough for one person to make atonement for for the sins. Um, and and be granted access to the Lord, than to have everybody be able to do that, and so so and and even the one person that once a year would go into the most holy of holies had to have have a you know rope tied around him because if he 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 didn't confess his sins, all of them, he could be struck dead and they'd have to pull him out because no one else could go in and get him, and so you have that. Then you have the holy place, which is the priests. That's where the priests worked. 
Uh, they were in the holy place. They they kind of dwelt there. They lived there. They received the bread there, um, the, the 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 bread of the host or, or the the presence. Um, they could eat that and engage with that. They received the the meat from the sacrifices that were brought for sin offering. Um, they were able to eat those holy things, and they remained in the service of the Lord. They remained receiving those gifts of uh, and distributing those gifts then to the people. Then you have the altar, and the altar is where the gifts of the Lord then were spread to the people. Um, so from from the altar of the Lord, from the lips of those who have been made holy in the priesthood, were given the gifts of forgiveness over over the the ordinary, right? The 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 the, the people who would stand out, and they weren't necessarily the priests, right? They weren't the ones who could who could pronounce forgiveness because maybe they didn't understand it themselves, but they received it. They received it from the from the lips of of those who had been made holy and continued to be in holy. And as they gathered, they continued to remain in that clean state. They gathered and they were continued to be to be a, a holy people. Maybe not the ones in the mo- in the holy place or the most holy of places in the service of of the Lord, but they were holy people because they received the forgiveness of sins and they stood before the altar, and and they 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 received what was bleeding from the altar, quite literally. Uh, upon them. And then when you move away from that, it, it's just degrees of movement away. So in the book of Leviticus, we have different things that move you away. And and most of them hover around sexual practices. Um, they do hover around um, our life choices. And, and, and that's true for anybody. And, and dear listener, I think one of the things that we need to realize is that, that, that the, the same words that we're applying to the people of Israel and what they should look out for because they move you away from the holiness of God are the same things that are bothering us today. Sex sells. That moves you away from the holiness of God. Um, you know, the, the, the following the desires of your heart, enjoying the debauchery of, of the nations, um, going in and, and saying, I can do this just for the simple fact that I can do this doesn't make it right for you to do. And you move further and further and further away from the intent that God has for you. And so I I liked how you had so beautifully said that, that, that really the whole book of Leviticus is, is, is God saying, I'm going to, I'm going to cut these these areas off. So I keep you close to me. I brought you into this fear. I don't want to lose you, right? You can't come back on your own. <laughs> I have to go and find you again. So in other words, when we're saying something that is common or neutral, it isn't really necessarily neutral at all. It is still holy. It just isn't as holy as getting closer to God. Is that kind of like, kind of like the angels in Isaiah where the angels have uh, wings that cover their faces and you say well why do they need to cover their faces they're holy they're ho- they're perfect they're righteous there's nothing wrong with them but why would they have to do that well i you look at the book of isaiah they're in the presence of god they realize that uh, there is a a degree of holiness a, de- a degree of purity of of some sort or not or another separation there that there's just a, a progression getting closer and closer to god which is god is emulating or simulating in the worship in Leviticus. I would agree. I, I would say that, um, and maybe in, instead of saying the word holy, um, maybe we want to change the, the, the language up just slightly and say clean. Um, so, so, um, you would have in the book of Leviticus, the, the, the normal people of Israel, as they gather and they receive the forgiveness of sins through these means by which God is instituting in the divine service in Leviticus, they are made clean. 
And if they're clean, they're able to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, are they able to be in the service of the Lord to the extent that the priests are? No, because that would require that would re- require a step forward, which means an embracing of more of the gifts that God has given. So what I would say, and, and I'm not making I'm not saying that that pastors are different than than parishioners. I'm not trying to 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 make that dis- distinction. But there is some truth to the fact that God holds pastors to a higher calling than possibly the parishioner. Why? Because the pastor has been given the responsibility to to really be gathered around the holy things more often than the parishioner, where where you know the parishioner is given uh, six days to work and on the seventh come and and receive the forgiveness of sins and the holiness of God, whereas the pastor has six days of work, which is on the holy things, <laughs> and then the seventh he receives more of the holy things. And it's not just exclusive to pastors. Let's say you have a council, you have uh, your elders and your congregation. You actually hold those guys up to a higher standard than your the person sitting in the pew on Sunday. Just because of what they are doing, what you are calling them to do uh, requires a a certain set of dedication to the gifts that God has given. Yeah, set of de- and and I and I would say you know in the in my Bible information class, and I'm sure yours is very similar, even though you might not call it the same thing. Um, I start out my Bible information class um, for or what we call Bit class with the four keys, and in the four keys I mention um, sin. So the first lesson is sin. Who are we by nature? This is what we are. God's response to that is grace. That's the second key, right? So there's grace. How does that grace come to us? That's faith. So we talk about the means by which God works faith into our hearts and gives us grace. The fourth key is good works that flow from that. And I think this is where Leviticus shines because we have the divine service being instituted this is how the means by which God is going to give us his grace. He is going to, he's going to, he, the, the means by which he is going to continue to preserve you in the state of holiness in which he has placed you. Okay. If this is, if, if this is not me doing something to God to reciprocate, then it is God doing something and now giving me an opportunity to remain in what he has already given. So now this this idea of uh, of of Leviticus is not about the sacrificial laws but sacramental opportunities. Right? It's not it's not the laws of sacrifice. These are the the privileges of sacrament. This this is what this is what the people of God do to receive the sacrament. These are the means by which God chose to work outside of all the ways he could have worked. He chose to work in these ways. So we would say in the New Testament, we would we, we have the re- replacement of all of these sacrifices with the one sacrifice from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that in one of the means of grace, which is the Lord's Supper, right? Where we remember his, his uh, dying on the cross for us. We receive his body and blood and bread and wine. So it's just like the priest standing in the holy place. And they were not in the holy of holies. We are not the high priest. There is one high priest. There is Jesus. And and we stand in the holy place um, and we receive just as the priests would have received the sin offering, right? They would eat of the sin offering, the, the very offering that was for the forgiveness of sins. They would then eat um, from that altar and it made them holy. And we receive that in the sacrament. 
that's a sacramental thing. Even though the pastor prepares it, even though the lady guild, the ladies guild places the the host, the wafers up there and, 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 and the elders maybe fill the wine cups. It doesn't matter because when God applies his word to it, it is sacramental, not sacrificial. We're not doing this and re-sacrificing Jesus. We're not re-killing him. We're in, we, are in, we are enjoying the benefit of what he has done and receive his gift and his promise in, in a true and lasting and living way, and which is the people of Leviticus, um, the people of Israel in the book of Leviticus. Here is receiving your Lord in a true and living way and receiving his, his blessings through the ways in which he wants you to think ahead. There's no amount of blood that can be, can be spilled of the common to, to, to permanently cover this because we have to have something that is holy and extraordinary. And then he sends his son who is holy and extraordinary in and of himself. And, and he sheds his blood that covers the multitude, right? Um, so we're, 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 we look through the book of Leviticus and we see sacramental. We, we don't see sacrificial. When we receive it, it is sacramental. When God does it, when, when, when Christ gives himself, it is sacrificial. He is the sacrificial lamb um, for our sacramental benefit, if that makes any sense. I'm using those terms. I don't know if those are the great terms to use or not. I keep, I keep thinking of that uh, common, you know, we keep using the term it's in a negative way and a positive way. So I'm just trying to sort those things out in my own head because we think of common, you know, the, I, I'm unclean. That, you know, maybe, that's, maybe that's not how you're using common, but just the idea of common, just explain that. So, okay, so the best way I think I, I, I can explain this, and I try to explain this to my catechism class too, I am a... I am a, a, a role-playing game geek. I like role-playing games, especially fantasy role-playing games. And in fantasy role-playing games, you have like these degrees of utensils, right? You have common, uncommon, then it goes to like epic and then legendary. And all. And, and you go up, I'm a geek. I get it. I'm. It's okay. I embrace the geekness. Um, common is better than wrecked. So, so think of it in like these terms and, and the Lord plants it in these terms. So <clears throat> we fast forward a little bit to the tabernacle or we can fast forward a little bit to the temple. You have bowls and you have cups and you have utensils, you have knives, you have forks, um, you have plates, you have water basins. Now those things are common things. The people of Israel had forks and knives, and bowls, and cups, and the king had all of those things. Those are common. But when they are used in the service of the sacrament, when they're used in the service of God giving his gifts to his people, they move from the common by his word to the holy. So they're, they're, they were, they're clean, they are holy, even though they are common things. They are now set apart by God's word for something else. Same thing we do with the sacrament. We have bread, we have wine. They're just bread and wine. They're common things. You could go out and get bread. You could go out and get wine. They're common things. But when applied and 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 when when God's word is applied for the time and the purpose, those become holy things. Those become things that God now works through and says, I am here and I'm going to use them for your benefit. And that's, that's the difference between common. Now, we... There's really not a negative connotation to common unless you are going to say 
I'm working down. Then it's so so if I'm going from extraordinary to common and then I'm going to go to moldy <laughs> or or stale or or I'm then I'm moving further away then then that's a bad connotation but then you're no longer common because common is neither good nor bad you could be clean and still be common that means you're not set apart for holy things but you're still forgiven but you can be unclean which means you're you're no longer usable that, that, that not even for common things, because it's unclean and you'll be sick. You'll get sick. It's like saying there's a dirty bowl. Now, you, no one wants to eat out of a dirty bowl because you could get sick. Who knows what's there? It, you know, there's junk stuck to the side. Um, we like clean things. So common, clean things. Those are what we like. Um, but you move further and further away from the altar. You move further and further away from the Lord. You move further and further away from his, his promises and his gifts. You become unclean. And, and then eventually you reach the point of unholy. And, and I think that's where you have this in Leviticus, where you have the Lord continuing to speak out and say, I'm, I'm giving you a stopgap so you don't get to unholy. Okay? So you're in the process. You made a mistake. You, you sinned. You did, you're in the unclean. Okay? We can fix this. <laughs> we, we, we can fix this. this. This is what the sacrament is for. We can fix this. Um. But don't go to unholy. Don't follow down that line and just disregard um, coming back. You're still in the sphere, even as unholy. You're still in the sphere of receiving the sacramental gifts to make you clean. Um, I think of of Jesus and the leper, right? Um, you've been made clean, but go and offer, right, the sacrifice that is called for. Why? Because that was going to clean them? No, they were already, they were made clean by the, by the son. But, but this is the sacramental aspect of it, right? That, that these are the gifts. This is what you as a believer get to engage in because of what God has done for you. You get to do these things as opposed to, I have to do these things. Otherwise I'm not going to be clean. No, you get to do them because, um, this is your privilege. I think of the, the, you know, the, what is it? The 10 lepers, and nine run off and one run remains. And we all like, see, the, the one is the best. And I'm, I'm not discrediting that. I'm not saying that he, because Jesus himself says, weren't there nine others? Um, now, one of the questions we have is, did the other nine get leprosy again? No, because they went and did exactly as they were given the opportunity to do. They went and worshiped. They went in and received the service of, of, of God's people through the temple. Now, should they have come back and given that service and received that service from Christ and from his lips? Yeah, I, I'm not discrediting that. But, but they were not wrong because the one who, was, who came back and knelt at his feet still had to go to the temple and live in that grace and enjoy those blessings. So in other words, what you're, what you're describing in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus with this whole progression of holiness is really what we talk a lot of times in terms of sanctification. You're justified, so you're clean through Christ, but now you grow in your sanctification. You are growing in your holiness. Um, so everything that you do, it doesn't matter whether you're a pastor in the pulpit or whether you are somebody at home reading stories to your children at night from the bible those things are holy things and you are equipped to do them by god's means of grace yeah i i don't think i could have said that or tried to sum that up 
even in a better way. We are, I, I think this is, I think this is the fundamental difference. And, and I'm going to say it's a, I, I think it's a fundamental difference between Lutheranism and, and any of the other Christian uh, religions that are out there, Christian denominations that are out there is the fact that, that everything flows from the altar. Um, in, in Lutheranism, everything flows from the altar. It is God who, who, who is the beginning and the end. Um, and it, and it's through his son and this, in the work of the spirit that, that we receive everything. And, and then it's just living in it. And, and I think that is beautiful to be able to say, cause, cause now you wrap in and Leviticus does in many ways, wraps in vocation and it wraps in, uh, life in, in the home and it wraps in life in the community. And, and it says you as a chosen person of the Lord, you as a, you as a member of the community of God's people are called to live a different way. And, and there's something to be said about that. And, and, and I mean, you could elaborate more on that um, probably better than I can in just the sense of, of the opportunities for people to live. And, and I, think, I think that's what Leviticus is really trying to say is receive from the Lord and live in that sphere, right? Um, but, and maybe I'm wrong, and I'm going to just ask this question, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Does it not seem every time anybody talks about Leviticus or opens up the book of Leviticus that people are thinking to themselves, mandate, mandate, mandate? I would, I would agree. I think, it, <clears throat> I think Leviticus often, like I was saying before, people are thinking about it. It's all about what we have to do in order to be in God's good graces. And as you uh, summarized at the very beginning of our podcast, this isn't about we do something for God first and then He does something back. I think we that's a this is this is more nuanced than we like to give it. We like to say. It's uh, Mount Sinai. God gives the Ten Commandments. God gives the law. Tells God's people, follow this, and I'll be your God. And we think that that's all that there is. That this isn't God actually equipping His people to do what He is asking them to do. He is saying He is putting them in the sphere of holiness. He's putting them in the sphere of you are my called and chosen people, and now continue to live in what I where I have placed you. And he, this is how it's going to do it. And if you continue to live where I have placed you, then I will be your God, and then you'll be my people. We, we're missing that step in our, maybe in our explanation, where we make it too simplified. We uh, look at the Old Testament sacrifices and we say, this seems very barbaric and, you know, not something what we do today. You know, just like we've moved on from this. We've evolved, uh, if I'm going to use that term. Uh, but it isn't. It is basically another picture of what God talks about when our life of sanctification and in our uh, justification that we've been declared righteous in God's sight because of what Christ has done. And God has called us to live in this new area. He has, it equips us to be more and more like him to, to grow. And there are some, some callings that are using more and more of God's uh, word and his gifts, such as, you know, a teacher or a pastor or an elder. These people are, are called and to use more of these things that more is asked of them as far as how to live their life, but that doesn't make it any less than and the, the person sitting in the pew. 
Well, and and that brings up, I guess, another question that I have is is because and and I think rightfully so, you know, you're leading this down the road of of Leviticus is not just um, divine service, but also sanctification. What is the response of receiving from the divine service? <clears throat> and and so I'm going to ask this question: Would you would because we we look at Leviticus and we think law, like Old Testament law. These are sacrificial laws we don't have to do anymore. Would you say that that really what Leviticus is talking about is is not just the divine service and God's sacramental approach to us and giving us his grace, but also how far we sin when in our own life of sanctification we fail to live the sanctified life? Would would you see that would you think that's a fair assessment that when we when we fail to live sanctified lives, we are actually moving ourselves away from the holiness of God and that we're 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 sinning? And and there's the law aspect of Leviticus. Definitely, there's the law aspect of Leviticus. But what I've really liked about what you you've been saying in our podcast today is that this isn't just law. This isn't just you do this and then you get closer to God. It's more, it's deeper than that. And that this is God explaining to us where we are through what He has done, and where we could go through the gifts that He gives us. And and maybe it'd even be worthwhile to say, um, when God brings us into his kingdom, we're as close to God as we were ever going to be. And it's moving backwards, and he doesn't want us to move backwards. He wants us to stay there. Um, I, I'd used this comment before, and, and I think I've said it to you, but I, um, I've i had some people that have asked me before, they said, well, Pastor, wouldn't you love to have a, a call to become like a teacher um, in, in one of the synodical schools or, or one of the high schools. And, and I said, why? And they said, well, that would be such a step up for you. You know? And I'm like, no, pastor is the highest you can get in, in our line of work, right? Pastor is, is the one that includes the most responsibility to administer the grace of God to our, to, to the, to our people in all of their areas of life. And I said, everything else is a step down from that. And, and I'm thinking, how beautiful that our Lord in the New Testament calls us the priesthood of all believers. He's, he's saying exactly what he's said to the people of Israel through the pages of Leviticus. You are already as high as you are going to get. Stay here. You are, you are part of this priesthood. You are part of this. You're not the high priest. That's not your position. But man, you're holy. And, and maybe that, that encompasses the words of Leviticus that we've used as, and I know maybe I have appropriately used it, but maybe didn't explain it as best as I could. Leviticus 19, verse 2, where it says, uh, the Lord says, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. And and it wasn't until we really started to dive into this study of Leviticus, and I'm in prep, uh, preparation for this, where I had to take a step back and say, that's not that's not all law. There is law there, right? For the one who's unholy, <laughs> there, there's a lot of law there for the sinning, for the sinful side of me, my sinful nature. That's that hurts, but for the side that has been justified in Christ, for the side that is now sanctified by the Spirit, I'm holy. That's a statement, a fact. Be holy. And you're saying this as a Christian, not as a pastor, right? I'm saying this as a Christian. Be holy. I am holy. Um, be this God's declaration, God, God creating a statement over me and says, be this now live in it. What does that mean? Um, engage with it. What does that mean? Um, that means 
yeah, I, I, I have the choice in the morning to pick up my Bible because I'm free to do so in Christ. Um, I have the choice to come to worship on Sunday and receive the service of my Lord and respond in my worship by as I bring my, my, my raise my voice in praise. I can, I can do those things. Um, do I have to do those things? No. But every time I don't do those things, do I take a step back? I think so. I, 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 so the question that I, I pose in the statement, so if you, ah, we're, we're wrapping around. See, see, we all, we'll get there eventually. Um, we wrap it around and the question I said, are you holy enough? How would you answer that? From the conversation so far, how would you answer? Are you holy enough? What do you think? I'm throwing it out there. I, I just, he's looking at me with like the deer in the headlights and it's like oncoming semi. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, Will. Here it comes. I, I think it's uh, this whole idea of, of the degrees of holiness or closer and closer to God is a dangerous territory because people think, well, you're a Christian, but you're not Christian enough. So you got to you got to do this in order to do, to be uh, a a uh, a better Christian. Like, yeah, you go to church, but I go to church twice on Sunday. Or, you know, yeah, you read your Bible, but I read the Bible. You know, whatever the the in Lutheran circles, it was Pietism. It's it's all over the place. It's part of our sinful nature to say I have to do this, and then God will respond, which is not what Leviticus is about. If you haven't gotten that yet. Please, please. Leviticus is about God doing something for us and then equipping us for for holiness. And are we ever holy enough? No, because we're never God, right? right. We're, we're never God. We never get there because we aren't Him. Uh, even the angels he, shield their eyes in the presence of God. But that's not the point. God has called us to be with Him. That's the point. That's the awesome thing is that God calls sinners, people like you, schmucks like you and me. To say, I want you to be in my family. I want you to be my people, my priests. Uh, I want you to serve me and serve your neighbor. That's what I want. And so for us to say, are we holy enough? That will we'll never be holy enough. That's not the point. The point is right. that we are called to something greater than what we were born into. And our, and our Lord still calls us holy. <clears throat> so so are you holy enough? No, you're never, you're never going to be Christ. Right. Um, but we're clothed with him. And when God sees him, he sees through Christ. You know, the curtain is split between the holy place and the holy of holies. We, we saw that, uh, witnessed that on, on uh, Good Friday, where that, that is split. But who stands there now? Now it is Christ. And so when God the Father looks, he sees Christ. And he, he sees Christ covering you. And so you are holy, even though Christ is holy of holies. He is the ultimate, but you are holy. Um, then you are this priesthood and, and you are clean and yet you are common, right? Um, you're not extraordinary in and of yourself. And I know I popped a bunch of bubbles. I know everyone's like, well, I thought I was pretty good. You're not. You're not anything special more than anybody else. Will is also holding up a mirror right now as he's saying I, I, those words. Absolutely. It's a selfie. Um, but that's but it's the reality that that it is in it is in my Lord who has done everything that I am now something else. Um, I'm no better. So the pastor who stands in front of you on Sunday. So so dear listener, as you come to church on Sunday and you you stand you're in Shirley and you look ahead and you you say you see Pastor Dave, and and you can say he's not better than me. And I would agree, he's not better than you. 
Um, when you come to St. John and you, and you, you sit in the pew and you look ahead and you see, you see myself standing in front of you, you could say, he's a little bit better than me. And I would agree. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not better than you at all. We are, we are the same. We are common things that have been made clean and then made holy in our Lord. And, and so from the lips of something that is very common, um, the words of holiness are spoken over you and it is, it is God serving you in that way. Maybe a, a really cool illustration is you see the establishment through the book of Leviticus and, and, and you see this establishment of, of God establishing a divine service and that divine service stays it stays through the tabernacle that Moses built. It stays through the temple that Solomon built. And then the liturgy, the service remains, but the liturgy changes with Christ who brings a new liturgy, right? Um, the, the liturgy is no longer the Lord working through uh, these means of sacrificing of lambs and bulls for your sins, but the liturgy changes to all sins are now taken care of through the sacrifice of the lamb, Jesus, for you. And and so the the service remains, the liturgy changes, and it's beautiful. It, it, that, that's the beautiful thing. Um, none of these animals could fully take away your sin, but it was God's grace that he applied it to, to you. But the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, he is capable, and he does, give himself so that you would receive forgiveness and all of us would and have it in him that's just that that that, that is an amazing service um I, I guess maybe backtracking just slightly you know um when we when we go through the book of leviticus maybe just mention this is probably one of the the biggest books of direct quotes from jesus or from god god it's 36 speeches of of the lord saying thus says the lord to moses <laughs> thus says the lord to 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 Aaron, thus says the Lord to the people of Israel. Um, this is this is God's direct. Here's how you can live in my kingdom in which I've placed you. I, I don't know how else. To, I mean, we've we've said it over and over and over. Um, I don't, I don't know how else to say it in a different way. Um, but but when we approach the book of Leviticus, as we're going through the pages of Leviticus, yes, we're going to be dealing with the concept of holy, and we're going to be dealing with the concept of clean, and we're going to deal with the concept of the common and the ordinary, and we're going to be dealing with the concept of unclean and unholy. And what does that all mean? And as we move further and further and further away from the altar, you become more unclean, and then you step over that realm of unholy. But through it all, we see a Lord who continues to serve us through these means and his desire is that you are served by them. They're not that they become the, I have to do these things, but I get to do these things because God chose to work through them for me. Um, And I think that's where the people of Israel lost it later on in their history, right? Um, They offer sacrifices, but their hearts are far from me. Um, It was no longer sacramental. They were sacrificial. Uh, God, why aren't you doing this? I'm doing what you said. Um, That wasn't the point. Uh, The point was, God, I get to do these things because you chose them to to give to me something great. Um, I don't know what 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 do you got for final thoughts? Are we on final thoughts now? Yeah, I think we could do final thoughts. We're about fifty four minutes, so if you have six minutes of final thoughts, <laughs> why do we? Ha- why does it have to be exactly one hour? It doesn't. Oh, okay. just you're just offering down the throwing I'm, down the gauntlet. I'm, I'm saying, Dave, well, now you have less. 
<laughs> Can you wrap this up in six minutes? <laughs> I think we have to do a timing of like how long I actually talk every time I talk because I, I usually just say what I want to say and then step out of the way. Um, but anyway, for a conclusion, I am always kind of fascinated. I, I will probably, one of the questions I will ask Jesus when I get to heaven is just uh, the, what did you, what did you think, Jesus? What was going through your head when you were a little boy reading the book that uh, Hebrew boys would read? Like Leviticus was the number one book that they would read. Um, and uh, what was going through your head? Because as we look at the book of Leviticus, we see a wonderful truth that what God has done for us uh, brings us into his family. And this whole concept of holiness is something that God has called us to. What what was that like for you, Jesus? And then also... Anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> yeah. That's me. That's me. Hey, that's, that's me. me again. <laughs> Ouch, that hurts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and just... As for for our dear listeners, I, I'm really excited about the book, uh, the book of Leviticus, just because it helps us to be more nuanced in our approach and talking with about the law and the gospel, about justification, sanctification, that we see that these aren't just New Testament uh, concepts. These, these are Old Testament concepts. The, the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is revealed in the New. They are It's all one unit. And it's, it's a good unit because it always talks to us about what we have in Christ. Yeah. Um, and you, I, I gave you the perfect opportunity to just mention, um, we're not reading Jesus into the book. We're reading him out of it. I, I think that's important. Um, the, the, the old Testament, the old Testament says, uh, or leads us and shows us everything about Christ, right? They speak of him. And so instead of reading Jesus into the the, the book of Leviticus, um, my challenge for every listener, and if you want to r- jump ahead and start reading it, the, go for it. Read Jesus out of it. Where's Jesus in here? What is he saying to his people? Um, and how is he interacting with them? Um, read him out of it. Don't read him into it. Um, because that's what Jesus would do, right? Um, WWJD, what would Jesus do? He would read himself out of the Old Testament. So um, maybe that's where we'll go. Uh, Join us next week as we have an opportunity to dive on into the book of Leviticus and enjoy um, this wonderful sacramental book. Um, And then take some time and maybe read it yourself. Uh, Maybe take a a month or whatever and walk your way through it as a devotion and sort of hedge it with the book of Hebrews where we see the fulfillment of the high priest uh, who is our Lord and Savior Jesus as he lives for us. Dave, thanks for coming on with me. Um, Look forward to studying this with you. And uh, from our table to your table, may God richly bless you in his son, Jesus Christ.